Wow, so higher Chinese at P1. Yeah, we take it all the way to P5 when then you can choose between normal Chinese and higher Chinese. Hey, no, that's not fair. My name is Rebecca and you're listening to the Socially Awkward Podcast. On today's episode, I have a guest who has a sister with an undiagnosed condition. She started homeschooling at 14 because her sister's condition degenerated. Since then, she has started up a sibling support group for special needs in an organization, started her first internship at 16 to raise awareness for inclusion, and has given many talks on various platforms. Introducing Amanda! Hi! Hi! Thank you for having me on this podcast. No problem. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm Amanda. I'm eighteen this year, so I've been homeschooling for I think fourth year already in homeschooling. I have a younger sister who is fifteen this year, who has an undiagnosed condition. And um my day actually just spent basically all around her and I do my own regular work as homeschooler and I'll be taking the advanced placement next year. Oh, AP AP <laughs> nice. Do you think it's tough like having to study and also take care of her like or do you have to like structure your day very well so that you plan out everything so for Amelia because she's a teenager she usually wakes up really late like she wakes up at 12 p.m and she starts watching Netflix so usually in a day I will start my day around 8 I start my work and then wait for her to wake up and once she wake up then we'll do our daily things with her so I would measure her blood pressure, take her temperature and then we get her ready for the day. Then mum would change her and she'll be out in the living room so Amina sleeps in the bedroom with my parents and then she'll be out in the day to watch TV or do whatever she likes. So I think for my day it's quite structured in the sense that we have routines to do with her, the day-to-day, week-to-week routines to be done. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and your sister's story and how you guys found out that she had this degenerative condition and how that has impacted your life? So Amelia was, uh, so when I was uh, three, Amelia was born, she was actually born as a normal kid. So she was able to crawl, to sit, to stand, to do like, what most toddlers were able to achieve. But I think at the age of two, we realized that her condition was changing in a sense. She was crawling backwards. She was crying a lot. And she was not hitting the milestones that a normal toddler would hit. So at the age of five, she was totally a bedridden per se. She's not able to move any part of her body. And then uh, she did her first surgery, which is like a PEG button. So she had a feeding tube inserted on her tummy. So, cause she can't swallow anymore at that point, and it'll be quite risky. Mom took two hours to feed one meal. Oh. So it takes six hours to finish three feeds in a day. And for her, it was risky because she couldn't really swallow and she'll be crying all day. So to be to feed her, to sit down to feed her, you know, it'll cause her to choke and everything. So that's why I think my mom decided to do a PEG button, which is a feeding tube for her to eat and to swallow her liquids and her medicine. So she has the PEG since she was five. Then following when she was five to uh, six, I think six years old, realized that she had sleep apnea. So it basically means that she couldn't breathe on her own at night. So she needed a breathing machine to help her breathe. 
And then she was diagnosed with epilepsy. I mean, Amelia's medical history is like so long. <laughs> Everybody will be like, what? So Amelia shru- uh, struggles with epilepsy. She's on a ketogenic diet. So have you heard about the ketogenic diet? Dude, I tried it. And it, <laughs> I was like, whoa, I cannot do this. It takes a lot of like planning because you got to really see and like count the sugars, right? Like the carbs, if I'm yeah. not wrong. So I'm like, I cannot do this. So, yeah. And the oil also. Mm. Yeah, so for Amelia, hers is more on the milk powder. So it's actually just oil and milk powder. Yeah, and it's not a lot of like protein per se in the ketogenic diet because of her milk powder that she's taking. And it's not cheap, like $200 for a can that lasts her three days. What? Yeah, she's eating a buffet every day. Yeah. So she's having that for three meals a day? Uh, She drinks more than that. So she drinks five meals a day. Mm. So that she can get enough. Yeah, and then she has around like 800 calories, which is like quite little for, quite a, little. for yeah. a 15 year old. Yeah, because yeah, she doesn't really move that much. So we thought the dietitian thought she didn't really need so much calories. Yeah, and then besides that, I think at the age of 13, we realized that whatever, you know, whatever we find norm, like for example, to be able to urinate, Amina couldn't do it anymore because she was diagnosed with a neurogenic bladder. So basically means that she could no longer, her bladder could no longer function like us. Yeah, then at the age of uh, 13, 14, we realized that. Okay, so actually at 13, 14, we were on a TV program called The Wish. So we actually went ice skating. So what we didn't know was one of the crew member who was there was sick. Oh. And then he was having fever at our house. That was when Amelia caught the bug from him. And the normal cough and flu that we thought, you know, we would recover quickly from it. Actually, Amelia was uh, put into ICU. She was intubated. So she had a breathing tube down to her lungs for her to breathe artificially. And then from then on, she could no longer breathe on her own anymore. So she's actually on a ventilator. So because of the intubation, it actually caused her to be weaker. So yeah, so from that... Is it because it damages stuff along the way or... I think it's like because you're put on like an artificial machine, your, so your body, body kind of yeah, it just relies and then it gets used to it and mm. then it totally gives up. So how long did sh- was she on the intubator for? So she was intubated for five to six days. Wow, yeah. so five to six days and then... Yeah, and then at that point, I think because of her condition and she's special needs, right, most of the doctors didn't think that, you know, she'll make it through being extubated. Because for like kids like uh, Amelia, usually when they intubate, the chances of being extubated is quite low. So that means they will need to do a trachea, which is like a, a throat, yeah, to cut their throat and for them to breathe lah, instead. But for Amelia, like... Thankfully, she didn't need to do that because she was able to rely just on the VIPAP machine to support her breathing. So, do you think it was a quite a big change, like an added-on thing that now she needs to have a ventilator? I think for Amelia, definitely the added-on change. Like, to be able to go out, we have so many things to bring, yeah. And like, because of her machines, she has three machines out. And then we have oxygen tanks and everything. So going out, so Amelia goes to Rainbow Center, which is a special needs school. So for her, we have to bring our chargers to school. And then we have a car that has an AC plug because we can't afford for any device to shut down. Yeah, so a lot of planning needs to be done as well. Why do you bring us along when Amelia goes to school? Like what are the different things that she needs to bring along and what she does at school? 
So I think for Amelia, when we bring her along in school, she has to have a special needs buggy, so her normal chair. So her normal chair, she will have a ventilator, which is what we call a trilogy. It's actually just a breathing machine. It just has more fancy name because it's more expensive. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) The more expensive it is, the more fancy Yeah, and the machine is 20k. What? Just for... um, ventilator and like can you imagine the special needs comedy where all these kids are really more frail and like the government don't really subsidize us on like all these machines and it's not just one machine like you need like other things on top of it so Amelia is very uh, blessed in a sense that the machine was actually given by somebody's child who passed on so she was she just took over like most of our machines are all hand over yeah so besides the trilogy she has an oximeter which is now a very known thing now. It's trending now. <laughs> it's trending. <laughs> like, so the, the thing that government has been giving out now, yeah. So the oximeter is to take her oxygen rate and her heart rate. So ours is a bigger version. So the one the government gave is like the small, tiny one on the finger. Hers is a finger, but it's a desktop. It's like huge. Yeah, it's huge. So... So it alarms us whenever her sets go low. So she has to be on that 24-7. Else we will not really know whether she's breathing or not. Which can be quite risky, especially when we're busy with our day-to-day stuff. And then besides that, we have a concentrator, which is something like oxygen. But it's a smaller one. So they take in room air, they give out oxygen. Yeah, We bring that on. And then we will have oxygen tank. Which is, yeah, we, we have four oxygen tanks at home. We can run a, a diving club. <laughs> yeah. And then, besides that, you know, she is a respiratory at risk patient. In the sense, she might turn blue and she will not have enough oxygen in her brain sometimes when she has a respiratory attack. So it means that we need to have a resuscitation thing on board which is called the ambu bag so it's just like what paramedics use or like doctors in the hospital use to save their patients so have you watched a good doctor i have and i haven't finished it i was like on season one i think i hit like episode 10 or something and i i, I just stopped because i couldn't find it anywhere for free <laughs> netflix oh it's on netflix it's on netflix now this season three <gasps> okay i have to find it i have to finish it okay yes yeah. thank you for telling me <laughs> So you know, you know how like whenever they are in the ER, then they need to back the patients with yeah, this yeah, like yeah. mask and like back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what we have at home. We have three of those. Wow. Yeah, it's a mini ICU at our house. Yeah. So that's the that's all the things we need to bring out like five different things, and then not including her milk, <laughs> her milk, and then we need to plan the time for her because uh because of her urine and she can't be on the urine bag because she's very prone to infection. So the last time we put on a urine bag, we landed in a hospital in Gold Coast because we're travelling and we thought the urine bag was an easier option but we landed an ICU in Gold Coast. Dude, the price is there. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't even know how to charge us because no one goes in, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> no one goes into the ICU. No one goes in because like everybody who goes there are usually like foreigners who goes there are there to enjoy their holiday. True. None of them goes into the hospital like us. And then we couldn't even afford like three nights day so they discharged us after the first night because it's like adding up so how how did that go down uh, at the end I think our insurance managed to cover it mm, but did she, did she like recover after that one night she did like yeah so she was able to recover and I think it was quite nice the connection between the Gold Coast Hospital compared to our palliative care in Singapore they actually worked together oh 
to transfer Amelia's notes there, you know, to make sure that everybody's on p- the same path. Yeah. Especially knowing how to treat uh, someone with special needs. Yeah. And she already have a medical condition. Yeah. So Amelia's also part of appellative care called Star Pals, where she's been there since she's five. So every time when we travel, our nurses on board, usually they're really very nice. So they'll transfer our notes to like either any palliative care there, just in case, just in case. anything yeah. happens. So the one in Go Coast, I mean, it's just hit the jackpot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's okay. a short stay. Yeah. So, okay. So besides that, that's what we need to bring on a daily basis for her. Lah. And then... Rainbow, so Amelia goes to Rainbow since she was two or three. Yeah, so mommy used to bring her every day on her own. They sit the school bus to school. But we realized that Amelia was getting bigger already. And then because school bus, when she was younger, she's still able to cry. So she sat on a school bus and she's usually the first one on board and the last one to leave. Even though we stayed quite near like Margaret, but because of the number of kids they need sent home, and then mommy, mommy decided that, you know, she's going to take up the courage to drive Mamiya to school. So, and she was getting bigger. It's very hard to carry her already. So that's when my mom started driving. Uh. She, so she got her license very long ago, but she didn't dare to drive until she <laughs> found a need, right? Mm. Yeah, so she started driving Amelia to school. Then we realized, yeah, Amelia was able to give some response in school. So what they do, because Amelia is non-verbal in a sense, she can't, like voice her thoughts, she can't communicate through the normal way that we do. So for Amelia, what she does is she will blink her eyes or swallow her saliva for her to communicate. I mean, we tried different like technologies to help her to communicate when she was younger. So there's a thing called like a button switch where Amelia was able to press the button, then you'll say like, oh, it's my turn. So we realized that, hey, you know, Amelia loved to participate. Every time when a teacher walked away, she just pressed the button. Like, it's my turn. <laughs> call me, call me. Mm. Yeah. And then I think for Amelia, because not a lot of teachers would believe that she she's able to do it because of her condition losing the ability. So she lost the ability to even squeeze, to do most of the things. When we realized that, you know, actually Amelia can communicate through her eyes, we realized that she tracks us very well. So that's when, you know, we started on the eye gaze uh, device called the Toby Dynavox. So the IGA's device started when she was 12. When I started homeschooling, realized that Amelia was able to communicate in a verbal form. She was able to put words together and she was able to just be a normal kid. Yeah. So the IGA's program came up. It took a lot of training. Like for Amelia, because, you know, you've never been able to have a voice since young. Can you imagine? Like, yeah. like you're basically speak. learning how to speak. Yeah, and like somebody's asking to speak when you've been trying to speak your whole life to them through like other forms. Yeah. But you can't. And then now you have to learn like a different way of communication. Yeah, and like for Amelia, because, okay, so the eye gaze itself, it's an eye tracker, right? And then we tried it ourselves. You get tired. Your eyes get tired on it. And then for Amelia... She gets even more tired because she's really so tired because of her condition. So she even tries, she has to try even harder to keep awake, to keep her eye. And sometimes the device itself doesn't really track her eyes. So she will have an even harder time trying to keep up with the machine and everything and like her positioning, how she sits. And she can't sit for very long because she gets tired. So yeah, Amina tries very hard to get her device working and for her to communicate through the form the verbal form uh. so yeah i mean amelia is able to communicate on the eye gaze so 
we we did like a few shots. Like we have a Facebook blog for our sisters where we blog Amelia's progress. So Amelia was able to use the argues on herself. So I remember vividly there's this video where I was just sitting on a sofa. I was just secretly videoing her because sassy teenager don't want to be recorded all the time. So I put the phone beside and I was just looking at her eye gaze. I realized that she keeps saying, uh, I want to watch a TV. So she just goes, TV, TV, TV. Everybody ignored her. And then how we know, I turned around, she went to feelings and she said she's angry. <laughs> I was like, wow, this girl knows what she wants. Mm. Yeah, so that's for Amelia. Mm-hmm. So after you guys got this um, eye gaze tracker and how her communication now has become more, in a sense, verbal, in a sense that like, you know, she can express it more. She can express um, longer sentences, you know, besides like, you know, as you said previously, like swallowing or like blinking her eyes or using the button. How do you think this has um, changed and improved her relationship with you guys at home and even other people. So for Amelia's condition right now, today, this year, she hasn't been able to use the eye gaze because uh, she gets tired and her condition has changed quite drastically. So, But what we realised changed was she was trying to interact with us. So especially like during table conversation in, when we're sitting in a circle on a table, Whenever we talk about something, she wants to be part of it. So she will swallow her saliva like, hey, I'm here, talk to me too. And it's quite funny. And we realized that even strangers, she began to open up a little bit more. So like she'll say hello to them. She'll swallow her saliva to acknowledge the presence of someone compared to when she was younger. You know, you have to go to up to her face and you're like, hi, I'm talking to you. Can you please look at me? Like but now she's more like, She's more aware of her surroundings. She's very nice. And I think because of that, um, my parents also believed that she had the ability to do things and she had the ability to communicate. So that's when we realized that our relationship as a family has improved because Amelia is not just uh, someone with special needs. You know, she has her own thoughts and her own ideas. Yeah, and that's really important to remember. And they're not just... They're not just people that we take care of and they're not just people with problems with air quotes if you can't see it like they are individual people who have their own passions and okay just like to share a little bit uh, my sister has down syndrome right and so um that means like her physical development um and even like her like, the rate at how she learns things is a little bit slower than others. So, she may not be um, at the same educational level as people who are 15 or know the same amount, like, social skills as people who are her age. No, she's 16. My bad. <laughs> she's 16. Sorry, Lian. Um, But, yeah. She has her own passions and she really likes um, connecting with people and she likes giving away things, like, um, gifting people things that she's made or things that she has made from things that other people have given to her. And so she really likes art as well. So recently, she started, you know, making cards. And she's really into making cards and giving it to people. And recently, she came out with this, like, project on, like, making watercolor postcards and, I think, doing something to help children with disabilities. And she's also learning public speaking and... 
So we were talking to her, you know, like, what do you want to talk about? You know, you can... Because it's an informative speech, so you have to inform someone about something to teach them about something. So we're like, hey, you know, what is something personal that you can talk about? And she's like, oh, you know, maybe I can talk about, like, um, Down syndrome. And I thought that was really, really um, interesting and how, like, she's slowly, like, finding out more about herself through this speech as well as letting other people know, like, the struggles that she faced and how they can help. And I think, like, kids may not be able to have a voice like this all the time, but we can assist them in that. And it's really empowering for them because not only do they understand a little bit more about their own condition and who they are, but they also know, like, and they can also listen to people who have gone before and accomplished things that they can look up to. Like, in her in her speech, she included this girl that's uh, a fashion designer who's, who has Down syndrome. And my sister, she, she went for, like, this fashion design workshop thing and she was, like, really inspired and she likes clothes. She likes, like, floral prints and it's really interesting how her style is, like, so different from mine. And how she, yeah, like, there are people that you can look up to and it's really important that we allow these people space and, most importantly, time to figure out what they want to do and bridge these gaps and, and work at it. I think it's really important to work at it, especially with like people like Amelia who may be nonverbal. So finding how we can um, communicate with them and help them to really find what they want to do with their life. Yeah, Vienne is so sweet. <laughs> if no one knows, she loves to give hugs. Yeah, she does love she to give hugs. She loves to give hugs. Gopet has like... been hard on <laughs> like, look at, you cannot, you, you can go out to sit to that person High and you wave or like elbow bump or like hugs. No, she's so cute. She always, every time we're at ICC, like mm. she hugs, like she will really hug. Like, you know, it's not the normal, like, you know, hi. She will really hug and it's like so cute. Mm. Okay, yeah, so I've, Tell you guys a little bit about Leanne. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Amelia? Like what she likes to do, what she's passionate about. So for Amelia, she's a very sassy teenager who really wants things her way. So I mean, when when she when she started like being able to communicate, we realized that you know let her make her own decision because that's the that's the start of us being able to know her and for her to be able to know that you know she can communicate. So for Amelia, she loves dressing up. She's a teenager who loves dressing up. Crop tops, off shoulders, whatever you, you see that is nice and colourful, she likes it all. And yeah, so for Amelia, she loves clothes. So we gave her the choice, you know, you choose your own clothes. So I mean crop tops and off shoulders, they are really sexy <laughs> for her. Because for her, like she's a PEG button and you don't want everybody to go out with a crop top and everybody staring at her button. So after she wears her clothes, mommy wrap her up like a burrito. <laughs> then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so she gets to choose her clothes, but mommy just wraps her up. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, besides that, you know, Amina loves Netflix. Oh, she loves watching. She's been crazy about The Good Doctor. Really? Two seasons in two days. What the heck? She's faster than like... That's... Wait, how many episodes is in one season? I think 18. 18 to 20. I just stare at the TV all day. <laughs> and like, we, we keep asking her, you know, Amelia, you know, usually you sleep in a day and then you wake up at night. So that's her US that's, time zone. That's how much the good doctor has a hold on her, man. <laughs> yeah, be- but for now, right, she's awake the whole day. She doesn't even take a single nap. <gasps> and off the TV, so what? She has the oximeter on, right? So it reads her oxygen rate. 
when we off the TV and we ignore her totally, we don't even ask, we just off the TV, she'll start holding her breath. You see her sets just going down. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does that like a lot. As a form of protest, she's like, yeah, and TV. and it's quite scary because like when she turns, like when she her sets hit like a low number. So usually the government says that anything below ninety is not good for oxygen rate. That's that's what like Straits Time told me. But then right, I look at Amelia's set at seventy. We're still looking at the thing going down. We're like, oh, what should we do? <laughs> yeah, so for Amelia's condition, very different. Yeah, so she can hold her breath till she turn blue. Then we're like, can you please calm down first so you talk to me? Yeah, so for her, she has her own protest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, She knows what she wants. Yeah, so she loves watching Netflix. She loves doing anything other than work-related, like schoolwork. Mood, same. Yeah. <laughs> so like for Amelia, okay, she hasn't finished her homework since like HBL during May <laughs> May mm. HBL the whole June she didn't even do because I think for specialist education as a whole she, she's not really interested it's boring yeah. and like I think in specialist schools some kids they're really defined by their abilities mm. yeah so like when your mom started homeschooling the end I, I'm pretty sure like she was able to work on her strengths yeah so compared to like Amelia when we put her in a specialist school I mean it's good for her because she has a uh, PT, physical therapy, her occupation therapy, everything is in the school. And compared to you do like private ones. So for Amelia, when she goes to school, I mean, she's really defined by her abilities and she doesn't really have much physical abilities per se like us. So because of that, she's always like, oh no, you should learn number counting. You should learn how to see number at the age of 13, 14. When like kids at our 13, 14, they're learning algebra. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for Amelia, we know that she could achieve. So, you know, we started, like, online, not really classes, but, like, online work with her for her to learn during the COVID, during CB last year. We realized, you know, she could achieve. She could do her multiplication tables, like, perfectly. No one taught her, you know. Bro. Just think. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of amazing. Wow. So they didn't know that she could do multiplication tables? No, as in like, not everybody believes. So even in school, because huh. of Amelia's condition, we rarely go to school or so. Mm. And when you go to school, you need to prove to teachers you can do it, right? Yeah. So like, she can't, and every time she doesn't want to prove. So she she kind of wants to be like, I know that I know. Why don't you tell you that I know, you know? Mm. She's like, I don't have to prove to anybody. Like, Yeah, that's my life, guys. I don't need to prove to you guys. So what if I prove to you guys? Nothing happens. Mm. Yeah, especially in school, la, for her. Because she's... I mean, it's very easy to ignore like these kids because you think that you know they have no ability, they can't communicate, yeah, they can't even sit. What more like study? Yeah, I think they're definitely misconceptions, and you know how we always think like, oh yeah, there's this like pressure to achieve in like normal school, and I guess that also creeps into the special education school. Yeah, and then like because I was in mainstream, right? So like at the age of nine they're really actually at the age of eight they really compare you like oh you know you are you're supposed to split up in class at p2 last time so now they're doing at p i think p3 or p4 but last time i was i was in nanhua primary so it's a very competitive primary school and it's like we take higher chinese since p1 hey what yeah. what yes, i took higher chinese since p1 so. i thought chinese was all the same until like p4 p5 you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I took my Kahua. <laughs> it was it was terrible. Wow, so higher Chinese at P1. Yeah, we take it all the way to P5 when then you can choose between normal Chinese and higher Chinese. Hey, no, that's not fair. Yeah, and like 
it's very different from the normal school. Because normal school, because I was in Chinese school, that's why we have to type uh. pleats from the top all the way to the bottom. Oh. It's Nanhua Primary School, my gosh. Mm. Yeah, then very Chinese educator. We have our school songs in Chinese and English. And we have to say the Singapore Pledge in Chinese also. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Me thinking? Me, as someone who's never gone to school, like, I... <laughs> The whole higher Chinese from like P1, which is seven years old for those of you who don't know, is very... It's something I didn't know before. Yeah. Mm. I mean, some schools only. So, because my dad was an old boy, so I got to go to Chinese educated school, traditional Chinese, all the way. And then, yeah. So, at the age of eight, you know, they're splitting you in different classes. Right. You're taking like higher Chinese. Then at the age of... P3, you have to take the gifted education program where you, they're going to divide you some more. Yeah, so you already know the smarties go to like the gifted education. Right. And then for Nanhua, besides gifted education, they have a tech class in the sense that it's those who have very good English, they divide you away from the normal kids as well. Yeah. So, so like what, besides having really good English, like... Is their program specifically like directed towards something? So for them, so those in the tech program, they call it tech program, they actually follow the GEP lah, kind of. Just that they are not registered GEP kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Top, uh, second tier. <laughs> <laughs> they're just the jeepers, but they're not registered as a like jeeper. But yeah, they still mix around. So I was never part of that program. I was not that smart. Or out. So we have A all the way to H. H being the best few classes, I was in B. <laughs> I wasn't a smart kid. It was a very, very difficult, like, program to get in also. Yeah. So, can you imagine they divide all these kids at the age of, like, eight? And they expect the kids to, like, excel with their peers. And, like, even for the special needs education, they also divide the kids. So, as you can see, there's, like, a school that's just for autism, Pathlight. And then for those who are in Pathlight, they're usually the kids with higher IQ compared to the other higher functioning yeah higher functioning and higher like IQ so they have to take IQ tests huh so yeah. like if you're under a certain IQ like you won't you get will not, you will not be accepted that's really <laughs> because like, okay to be fair path like it's they also do the PSLE they also have like the normal like academic route uh, yeah so it's not just so they have to do that yeah so you have to take in kids that like can can do that can follow up and can do it you know yeah because if you're gonna put to be, yeah, if you're gonna put like a kid who's not like that high functioning in a like a high functioning environment, I mean, it, it will, they will struggle for sure. The rainbow, what's it called? Rainbow. Rainbow center. Rainbow center. Like, what kind of um people go to rainbow center? So rainbow center serve a wide spectrum. Yeah, wide spectrum. I I really don't like it because a lot they are actually divided in a sense or so. So they have high functioning. High function, physically high functioning, then you have the low functioning kids physically. So they're already divided into these two batch. And then for all those high functioning kids who can walk, who can talk, of course they get all the help. They get to do everything because you know they can verbalize what they can do and what they can't do. For Amelia, who is physically like not that functioning, they're put in a class where all the kids are not functioning like physically so can you imagine the class is like so quiet or like some of the kids they're just crying all day and you don't really know whether they understand so that's when i think rainbow center this few years they decided to mix it up so they have a mixed ability class where you have kids who can speak but not like 
super like functioning in a sense like high functioning kids but some who can speak so you add small like colors to the classroom mm. from like a low set class and they can also like vibe off each other's energy yeah so like for for Amelia's class she's in a mixed ability class not the so for Rainbow Center they do have a class where this there's some kids who uses technology to communicate but the thing is there's a very this, these kids have really just a very small group because technology is not cheap and not every parent are willing to invest in a technology device for their kid because you don't know whether they can do it and you know you have to go through a lot of therapy and for the child to engage to be able to communicate so that that's another problem we have so Amira is not able to meet that class for one simple reason she's in the morning session and all these kids are in the afternoon session and we're like what just because of that so it's quite sad. So she don't really have a chance to interact with other kids who use technology yet. But I think for Amelia, she knows that she wants to be, I think she just longs to be like normal like us. Yeah, so she communicates through other means. In class also, she can solo sliver, bring her eye to talk to a teacher. I mean, when she had her eye gaze in school, she was able to answer most of the teacher's question. And I remember once she had a casual conversation with another boy who could speak. Whoa. So it's quite cute. Like, she would ask, she actually asked him, like, oh, who's your best friend? So he, he isn't that, like, uh, cognitively functioning, but he could answer, like, who's his best friend. So it's quite funny. His best friend used to be a boy called Ashfaq, which is his best friend, the two guys in class. Uh. But then this guy, he said, oh, my best friend's Amelia, because Amelia can talk to me now. <laughs> and we're like, wow, what a change. <laughs> Sudden change. So what do you think are some misconceptions um, that people may have, or, like, judgments that aren't so accurate? What we've been getting from everyone would be like Amelia was not able to communicate. She doesn't understand because she doesn't look like she can understand. But you know, on the other side, you know, Amelia is super observant. Yeah, like when we took her personality test, she's actually an explorer. Whoa! Yeah, so like we're like, hey, wow. Yeah, so Amelia observes her surrounding a lot. Like every time, I mean, because she observes so much, she knows exactly like who is good to her. And who wants to talk to her versus who doesn't want to talk to her, who is not interested. So, like, I think one of the misconceptions we always get is, no, Amelia doesn't understand, which is really not true. Because, you know, if you really get take time to know her, it's like, when we know each other, like, even normal people, we know each other, you know, we, we have to really spend time. We really have to spend time out of our daily life just to spend time with people, to know someone, right? So, like, it's not fair in a sense that you t- you you come up and, like, say, you know, Amelia doesn't communicate, she can't communicate, and, like, you know, she's she's not normal. But, like, when you actually know her, so I have friends who really know her, who actually, like, would spend time with her, and our palliative care nurse who comes every week to see Amelia, she realized that, you know, Amelia can communicate, like, she is really persistent on what she wants. And sometimes, even the small, minimum, like, frown that she has on her face, our nurse is able to tell, like, you know, she, oh, she calls Amelia Mimi. She's like, oh, Mimi is frowning. She's upset. Or, like, sometimes Amelia will do, like, sigh. She'll, like, <sighs> Then we're like, wow. <laughs> so, you know, she can communicate. So, yeah, this is one of the misconceptions we always have. And I think for kids who have special needs and like a disability they're often labeled as oh you're not able to do things in life you're not able to achieve a lot of things because you are disabled but if you put away if you see the word disabled you'll see that there's a word ability in it and like these kids are able to do things if you actually see them 
don't judge them just on their disabilities, but see their abilities as well. Because when we see them as a disabled person, we often tend to think like, oh, you know, she's disabled, so she can't do it. And we are not able to look ahead to their abilities and we'll be blind by their disabilities. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I really resonate with what you said. And especially with like labels or even like a diagnosis, it's really easy to just like put someone in a box and say, this is how much you can do. Um, this is like the amount of ability that you can achieve. So there are different things that if you never uh, actually think out of the box or like give them these opportunities and explore and just try, I think it's it's really giving them the time and the space to try, to yeah. explore. And then that's when you can see like how they can go past all your expectations. And yeah, as you said, it's really important to not see someone as just disabled because then we limit and, e- and, and even in our thoughts we limit all the things that they can do but they can do so much more than that it's really important that we don't just jump to conclusions but we really need to make an intentional effort to get to know um, people who are different from us even though they even though it may seem weird or you may not have common interests at first but like hey you know like if Amelia loves the good doctor and uh, Whatever I've watched, I've loved it. So, like, we can totally talk about that or, like, chit-chat over that or just connect over that, you know, the fact that we have something similar. So, what is something that you think people like us can do to educate ourselves a little bit better on the topic of special needs and, you know, learning how to interact with people with special needs? And what can we do to support and be more inclusive? So, I think one of the things, like, my family would appreciate would be... um people taking the escalator more than the lift. I mean, the last time we took a lift, the longest time we waited was half an hour, 20 to 30 minutes, because people didn't want to get off the lift as it's more convenient. So it was at Jewel. Yeah. And you know, Jewel being Jewel, there's like so many escalators all around. So many lifts. So many many ways to go up. Yeah, there's so many ways to go up. Like you can even walk up through the stairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like people don't, they just want to take the lift. Yeah, and the lift is so big. So can you imagine the number of people in the lift? And we can't even get in the lift, even though the lift is huge. And there's so many escalators. And because of Amelia's buggy, she can't go up the uh, escalator. I mean, just imagine her ventilator, her three machines plus an oxygen tank, and then plus her weight, she's 38 kg. And, and you can't even like, it's not even a travelator, it's an escalator that you have to like, tipple. If the tipple, yeah, <laughs> and like she can't even because we have like a tray below, oh. yeah, to put her machine, mm. and you don't want a machine all to flip. Mm. I mean, you can try that, but <laughs> it's just dangerous. Yeah, and then I mean, when she was younger, you know, we could do it. So of course, we did it so much faster. But you know, for us, like for people who are in a wheelchair, I think they will appreciate it that you don't let them wait so long just because they can't go up the escalator and it's. Like, even for me, when we see travelators, we'll just go ahead with it. Even though it's so hard to, like, hold, we just go ahead with it. Because the leaves just take too long and people won't want to get out and help us just to feed a million a leaf. Like, we... So, simple things like, you know, holding the door or, like, pressing the leaf button or just getting out when you realise that there's somebody who's more in need of a leaf than you, it will actually really benefit, like, the families and I think another way that you know we can better educate ourselves would be simple things like just 
I mean, for special needs family, like for my family, I wouldn't mind if someone comes up to me to ask, like, oh, you know what happened to her? Or like, what's her condition? Or like, you know, simple, simple words that, you know, we will feel like blessed. Or, like even to say, oh, you know, you're thinking, you're, you did such a good job taking care of her. Or like, do you need help? Like simple phrases like that compared to staring at Amelia. We get it very often, like, because of Amelia's condition, right? She is totally on the wheelchair and she looks different. She has a breathing tube. So everybody just stares, like, they stare so scary. <laughs> it's not like, you know, they look at you and that's all, you know. They stare and, like, they will stare until they turn their head. You <laughs> 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 sometimes gonna have them turn it, you know, like, just turn. <laughs> yeah. mm. So, yeah, and, like, I think don't stare because can you imagine you're just being yourself and you're getting stared at? That's like, so uncomfortable. Yeah, and we've seen, like, people who even bring their kids to stand in front of Amelia, like, right in front of Amelia's face. Like, hey, kid, come along, let's stay together. Right. Like, what? And then, like, I think for even parents out there, you know, like, I think being able to educate your kids at a young age, to be able to tell them, you know, you don't live in a world that everyone is the same, you know, you live in a world where you have Different people have different abilities. Different people who have different strengths on certain things. So when I started my internship, so I interned for Superhero Me. It's actually a inclusive arts uh, community where we actually bring kids who are who have special needs, kids who have uh, kids who are normal and kids who are less privileged together to re- see that you know you guys are different. You know some of them special needs, some of them you do, you don't really have. You're not so blessed to have like a house like us or like parents to support you as much as other kids have and the normal kids together you know you we show them that you know you guys are different but you know you are not that different you're all the same and like I think the most vivid thing I remember during my intern was I think there was just crayons and like people and there was just a special needs kid who's autistic and a normal kid and they were drawing together like they were having conversations together and like this normal kid didn't even realize that that kid has autism and like you know actually for us like even for me I'm guilty kind of like telling you you kind of tell like normal kids oh you know this person's different but actually you don't really tell the person that he's different because these kids kids are just so simple-minded they exactly know like you know even though you're different you're the same as me so what is something that you want um those listening to take away I think the most important thing is don't judge. I mean, before you even know someone. So like, you know, like I said just now, you know, when somebody is disabled, doesn't mean they have no abilities. And like, I think for us as humans, we all have our own flaws and we are all different, different, different people in different ways, different beliefs and everything is different about us. For these kids who are disabled, you know, they might be defined by their disability. So it means that they are defined by their own flaw, which is not fair to them. Because you now for us, you know, our flaw might be hidden. It's not that visible. For them, you know, they have a physical flaw per se. So which is quite sad when they get judged. They don't get they don't get chances to prove themselves because they're just defined by their disability. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And I really, really resonate with that. And that's a wrap on today's episode of the Socially Awkward Podcast. We release episodes on the first Saturday of each month on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and YouTube. If you liked today's episode, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at the.sociallyawkwardpodcast. See you next time!